So let's start here by looking at a verse that I think is going to be critical for us to understand over the course of this series. It's a verse that I've used often and a verse that I will continue to use often because I think it points to the absolute necessity of what it means to be connected to Christ. It's John 15 verse 5. This is where Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. In this verse, Jesus is describing the type of connection that we are supposed to have with him. Basically, this is a description of what our spiritual lives are meant to look like. Spiritually, we are meant to be connected to Jesus because he is the vine. He is, he's like the trunk of a tree. He is the one who takes all of what we need and supplies it to us. He is a conduit through which we receive the things that make our lives make sense or give us spiritual freedom and understanding. We are like branches that are connected to this vine. We receive the life-giving flow that Jesus wants to provide to us. And the result of this connection where we are connected to Christ, the branch is connected to the vine, is that our lives through that connection only get to bear fruit. This verse is saying that our lives are productive and useful as Christians only when Jesus is nourishing us. But throughout history, Christians everywhere, even in this church, have gotten burned out, they've failed, and they've fallen away from God. Why has this happened? Why has this happened to Christians in the past? And why does this happen to Christians today? Well, our goal through this message today is to understand a little bit of that so that we can see the symptoms that creep into our own lives and avoid them by nurturing our connection to Christ. So I'm going to pray one more time just because I'm, I'm running on fumes. I'll be honest. And I, we need that connection to Christ right here, right now. So we're going to pray. Thank you, Lord, that you are our strength in our weakness. So we boast in our weakness, depending on God, depending on you. We are frail vessels who can't do a thing on our own. But you are the strength of our hearts. You are the one who girds us up and causes us to have more than we ever thought we could. And that's what we need right now, Jesus. I need that. Please give us understanding of this beautiful picture of the vine and the branch connection. Amen. So let's talk about a few reasons why Christians burn out or why they fail or why we fall away from God. Because we need to understand what these things are so that we can be aware of them and avoid them or or at least address them when they crop up in our lives. So reason number one for why we burn out, fail, or fall away from God is simply because we do not have this connection or we are not abiding with Christ. John 15 verse 5, we read that. It, It finishes by saying, Apart from me, this is Jesus saying this to us, apart from me, you can do nothing. And then he goes on, he says, if you do not remain in me, if you do not stay with me or have a vital connection with me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. 
Naturally, a branch that is not connected to the trunk of a tree can't grow or produce anything. It will wither. Makes sense, right? So also, a Christian with no connection to Jesus will certainly wither spiritually. Think about this. Without Christ's life flowing through us, we don't have abundant life. Have you ever thought about that? We don't have the life abundant that Jesus talks about in John 10.10 if we do not have a connection to him. Without this life flowing through us that we need from Christ, we do not have power to resist our enemy, the devil. We're very susceptible, aren't we? There's no renewal or restoration going on in our hearts and minds. There's no maturing taking place. There's no development going on. And there is no fruit. We might think that there's good things going on. We say, well, that's, that's a good thing that I did over there, isn't it? Well, is that a God-given fruit? Or is that simply something that we're doing because it makes us feel good? We can't fool ourselves. All of these things that we just listed here are produced in our lives by Jesus, not by us. This is why Jesus says at the end of John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. If, if there's a, a moment in time where the desperation or the need for Jesus creeps in, it's where we realize, oh my goodness, I thought I was strong. I thought I could do these things. I thought I was good enough on my own. But now the gravity is setting in where I'm realizing, oh Lord, apart from you, I can't do a single thing. It's okay to realize that because that points us to the one who we need to connect back to. Trying to be a Christian without having a a real and vibrant connection to Jesus Christ is described in 2 Timothy 3 verse 5 where it says people like that will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. So many Christians do this. They act religious because they come to faith in Jesus Christ and then they, they see other people around them going to church and maybe they, they don't swear as much as they used to or they drink a little less and they say, okay, well, I guess that's what it means to be a Christian. But they don't pursue a vibrant connection with God. All they are is they are religious, but they are not truly godly embracing the power that we get through the connection with Jesus Christ. Man, what a, what a raw deal it is when we think that's what a Christian life is. Just to not do a few lousy things instead of embracing the life-giving power that God gives us to do the things that make our lives productive, useful, and fruitful. Connecting to Jesus is connecting to the, impo- to the power, the only power that enables us to be godly. So how can God's life flow through us, right? We see that there's a vital connection needed, but how is it that we allow God's life to flow into ours? Well, Matthew 4 verse 4 says this. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So we don't just live on what fuels our bodies physically. We live on what fuels our souls spiritually. And the words that come from the mouth of God are the things that give us life. That is such an exciting revelation when we recognize, oh my goodness. So it's not just going through the motions, but it's actually coming to the banquet table of the Lord and feasting on the words and the instructions and the commands and, and, the, and the beauty, beauty of scripture that he gives to my life. That's where his life begins to flow into mine. 
Yes, it's an exciting thing. John 6 verse 63 says, The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing, and the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. God's life flows through us when we get nourished by His Word. There is no way around it. Whether it's the word of God that is someone speaks to you, that you read for yourself, that you hear in prayer times, it doesn't matter. But those are the only things that nourish our spirit. Without the word of God, we will wither. And if we wither, we will die spiritually. That's the truth of scripture this morning. But when we get nourished by God's word... All sorts of wonderful things begin to happen in our life. There are wonderful results that take place when we choose to be a branch that is vitally connected to the vine, receiving nourishment through the word of God. For example, our anxious hearts experience peace when the word of God enters our lives. Philippians 4 verse 7 says, His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Jesus Christ. It's not as you Uh, live apart from him and just go through the motions of religion that's not when our hearts are guarded with peace but when we connect and we live through jesus christ how about our sad hearts will experience joy first peter 1 verse 8 though you have not seen him you love him and even though you do not see him now you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible or glorious joy Isn't that amazing how that happens? How many of you in your life have been walking with the Lord, just trying to figure things out? You know it's not perfect, but you're trying your best. And as you read scripture, all of a sudden something happens where you just have a sense of joy that comes over you and you can't even explain it. Has that ever happened to anyone? Yeah, I'm seeing lots of hands. Absolutely, that happens to us because God's word nourishes our soul. How about when our lonely hearts can experience love? That's something that God does for us. In Ephesians 3.17, it says, Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will go down deep into God's love and keep you strong. That's how it works. As we grow in depth and maturity, we learn to love God more. We understand him more. His love is the strength of our hearts. It's not just something that we're pursuing, but it's something that we're experiencing. The other, uh, other benefits are the despairing heart experiences hope. Romans fifteen thirteen. May the God of hope fill you, all, or fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with the hope of the power of the Holy Spirit. So by the Holy Spirit, by the connection we have with Jesus, that's where when we are at our lowest, we all of a sudden have this incredible and immeasurable hope that God supplies. The empty heart that we have when we connect it to Jesus Christ can also experience fullness. John 10.10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I, that's Jesus' words, I have come that they may have life, and what? Have it to the full. My life is fuller today than it has ever been because God mercifully has given me an experience where I'm drawing closer to him all the time. There are, there are bumps in the road, but I am so thankful that God is drawing me to himself. An example from my life of where these things happened, where these wonderful results started to take place as I was drawing close to God, was I was, years ago I was facing a habitual sin. 
It was something I tried to shake. I tried everything I possibly could in my own strength to get away from this sin, to stop doing it and and not allow it to have power over me. But it was frustrating and I couldn't get past it, not on my own strength. And then I was reading in my Bible one day, searching for answers out of desperation, looking for something that might give me hope. And there it was in the word of God as I As I fed on the word of God, I read Galatians 5.17, where it talks about how we have a sinful nature, but now as Christians, we also have the spirit of God living within us. And these two forces are constantly fighting each other, and, and that sinful nature never gives us complete freedom to allow us to walk out the things that we want to do that honor God, the things that we know are right. It's this war going on inside of us. And when I read that, I was like, oh my goodness. God, you get me in my weakness where I thought that I was just failing you and failing you and failing you. And you were probably upset at me. That's what I thought. I read this and I said, oh, Lord, you understand. And just in understanding that the Lord understood me, there was tremendous hope. The word of God nourished my soul and it changed my perspective from that day on. So. Reason number one why we we struggle and we fall away is simply because we do not have this kind of a connection to Christ where his life can flow through ours. Reason number two why Christians burn out or fail or fall away is poor and unrepaired character. All of us have character flaws, right? We all have things. We all have baggage or a skeleton in our closet where we're trying to deal and somehow something exceeds our capacity of what we can handle and it draws out all of our flaws. When Christians have poor or unrepaired character, they live with this major flaw in their lives. And these character flaws, they actually consume us in our entire lives. We maybe think, oh, I can, I can handle it. And no one at work or no one at church will ever notice this kind of stuff. But it's just not true. Living with a character flaw is like living with an injured leg. It affects the rest of your body. Because now that this leg is injured, the rest of your body has to compensate. And you contort yourself to just try to make this thing work And the rest of your life is strained and struggling and stressed out because you're not willing to deal with the injury. You just pretend it's not there. And that's what happens to us when we do that with character flaws. When we just say, oh, it's not a big deal. No one really cares. That's just who I am. I've always been that way. That's like ignoring a broken leg. And it's just the most foolish thing we could ever do. It's good for us to be honest and say, here's where I struggle. Lord, can you show me how to deal? Can you show me how to get freedom from this? So an example of of some sort of a character flaw that many of us need freedom from is is people-pleasing, for instance. People-pleasers often, or people-pleasing results from when there's a, a brokenness, usually from a past relationship that was harmful, right? Maybe there was a son or a daughter that had a dad. And, and he never demonstrated affection or approval. And, and for the remainder of that son or daughter's life, they are driven to gain approval or affection from other people because they want other people to define their worth. And they hope and they long for the acceptance and the love and the value that they never experienced from their father. 
So now, when a Christian subconsciously tries to satisfy their craving for approval by people-pleasing, it can create a major problem for themselves. Because when we make people-pleasing our greatest source of, of affection or of approval, we don't seek the affection and the approval of God. People who are people-pleasers, they are driven so much to please people that they actually will burn out because they can never say no to anyone because they need everyone to love them and be happy with them all the time. They can make pleasing people more important than pleasing God and their morals will take a back seat because instead of saying, oh, I'm sorry, I can't do that because I'm trying to serve God and that goes against what I know I'm supposed to do, they'll say, Sure, I can do that because they know that that's what's going to work on their heart, or at least that's what they think will work on their heart to give them what they want. And they can also, they can tell people what they want to hear sometimes instead of telling them what they need to hear. People pleasers say things that aren't true. They say things that are not biblical because they'd rather make someone happy than make someone holy. Do you see the problem with people pleasing? It's like with any character flaw, it needs to be addressed. It needs to be brought before the Lord so he can deal and fix and repair and restore. Because living with any character flaw is something that holds us back from experiencing God to the fullness. And reason number three why people fail, fall away, or get burnt out and walk away from God is they simply don't know what to do. They, they come to faith in Jesus Christ, and, and all of a sudden after that, they're like, well, I don't really know what the rest of my life is supposed to look like. And they don't follow any sort of life that is biblical or godly, and eventually they just fall away. You can see this example in the parable of the sower and the seed, where Jesus explains how different people receive the good news. The seed represents the good news that Jesus, about Jesus, and the ground that he talks about in this parable talk, is the is the is the heart or the way that people receive the good news. So Jesus is explaining what this parable means to his disciples after they come to him and ask for an explanation. This is from Matthew 13, verse 20. It's, he says, The seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. You see, it's the word that's been planted that is meant to save and restore. And the word, when it is not nourished or when there's not a continual connection to Jesus so he can keep feeding us with the word, that's what gets choked out. And that's why people get disillusioned often just months into their walk with Jesus. Because there is no connection. These three reasons for why we burn out, fail, or fall away from Christ, they need to be addressed if we are going to succeed as Christians. The bottom line is, we all struggle in one of these areas. And it's okay to admit it. Because we all need renewal. I need renewal in my life. I need to be worked over by the word of God. I need to be nourished by the word of God. I need to receive his restoration in my life. And so do the rest of you. We're all in this together. There's no shame in acknowledging that we're not where God or even we want to be when it comes to walking with him. 
The idea of renewal or being changed to be more like God is all over scripture. In Colossians 3 verse 10, it says, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. We get renewed when we know God better. That's beautiful. How do we know God better? By spending time with him, right? Ephesians 4, 23 and 24 says, Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature to create it to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So there's a new nature that we're supposed to have. We are supposed to be renewed so that we have this new nature. Romans 12, verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, renewal is everywhere in the Bible. This is just a few verses, but there are literally dozens more that we could have gone through. We need to be renewed. We need to constantly be renewed. Here's, here's the definition. If we're, if, we're tr- if we're still trying to figure this out, here's what being renewed means. It's God continually transforming and restoring us to be more like who we were originally created to be through Christ. So Christ is the one who came to offer restoration and renewal. He's the one who said, put your faith in me and I will lead you. I will be the the spiritual guide in your life to help you become more like God in the way you were created to be. So all of this is rooted through Jesus. When Christians live without being renewed by God, they say things like we talked about last week. They get disillusioned, they get discouraged, and they say, huh, is this all there is? The good thing is, anyone, anyone can choose to be renewed by God. No one has to stay frustrated or broken or or far away from God in their Christian life. They can experience the renewal that we're talking about today. They can experience the heart change that we've been talking about today. But the only way to be renewed is to abide in Christ. So what does that mean to abide? It's a a great word. It's It's a title of this message series. But what does it really mean to abide with Christ? It's very simple, actually. To abide means to remain with or in Christ. That's what it means, just to have that intimate connection. So when Karen and I met and we fell in love, we chose to abide with one another. We did that by getting married on June 3rd, 2006. Right? Right. Yeah, nailed it. And we have remained or abided with one another for 13 and a half years since then. So can you imagine, though, if, if we got married... We had this beautiful experience. We came together and we expressed our love for one another. But then after that, we did not live with one another. We didn't remain with one another. We didn't abide together. Would our relationship stand a chance of lasting? No. Would it have a chance of even being strong? No. Would it have a chance of even truly being considered a relationship? No. Because we had to abide. We had to remain with one another. And it's meant to be the exact same way with God. We get to know God. We understand our need for him. We accept him into our lives. And then we abide and remain with him for the rest of our lives. 
Not drifting away, not going back to who we used to be, but staying close to this God who loved us and saved us from who we were. And here are the benefits of connecting with or abiding in Christ. These are beautiful. If you're taking notes this morning and you want to be encouraged this week, write these things down because this is what we all have access to through a relationship with Jesus. Benefit one, the first benefit that we have of abiding in Christ is that we have fellowship with the Lord. Did you know that the central theme of scripture is that God made us simply to be in fellowship with him? In in Genesis 3 verse 8, God creates Adam and Eve. And then even after they sin, and, and, and sin comes between them and God, separating them, God, not us, but God initiated a plan so that we could once again come near to him. He introduced the sacrificial system and the tabernacle as a way in the Old Testament for people to receive at least a a partial or a temporary cleansing or a symbolic cleansing of their sins. The tabernacle was this tent that the Israelites hauled around in the desert for 40 years and, and then God came and dwelt among them in the tabernacle. That's what it literally, that's what the word tabernacle means. It means to dwell among. God wanted to be among his people. He wanted to be close to them and experience fellowship with them. So he provided a way, even in the Old Testament. God also promised that he would draw near to people himself through being born to a virgin. They would name him Emmanuel, meaning God with us. God with us. God didn't want to stay far away even after sin. So he sent his son to walk on earth with us. God wants fellowship with us. And then when Jesus was about to ascend to heaven after his resurrection, he promised that he would send the Holy Spirit to do what? To come and dwell in our hearts. That's a beautiful thing. John talks about that in in John 14, verse 16 to 18. And Jesus promised as well that he would take or he would return so that he would take us to be with him. This idea of fellowship is throughout the entire story of scripture. God wants relationship. God wants fellowship. He wants that branch and vine connection to be absolutely critical for each and every one of us. So how do we do this? How do we engage from where we're sitting into fellowship with God? Well, we have fellowship with God through a few different ways. Through praying to God and having open lines of communication. Listening for God's voice. Reading our Bibles. And just spending time thinking about God. Allowing his thoughts to become our thoughts even as we go throughout our day. And we're going to get into this in more detail in this series. But that's the basics of what it means to abide with Christ or remain with him consistently in our lives and throughout our day. Obviously, fellowship like that is going to require some time spent with God. Just like fellowship with our family or our friends, if we want to maintain those friendships, we have to spend time with them. We can't just say, well, I'll see you in a couple years, and everything's going to be hunky-dory, and we're going to have a close, personal, and meaningful friendship with our friends. That wouldn't work. Eventually, we drift apart. And you can still say, hey, you know how things going, but it's not the same as when you're spending every day with someone. So that's what we need to do with God. We need regular time spent with them. So that's just one of the benefits of of being connected with Jesus. We get fellowship with him. Benefit number two is that we won't 
wither. Because it says when you have no connection, you will wither. With this vital connection, we won't wither. Earlier, we looked at Matthew 4, 4, where Jesus uses a metaphor. He tells us uh, that like people eat food, we need to feed, our bo- to feed our bodies. We need to eat or consume or be nourished by the word of God in the most difficult moments of life. Simply so that we can exist we don't fail and fall away but we can stay the same and we can be we can stand firm with all that god does if we are nourished by the word of god we will not be consumed in the stresses of life but god's word will help us to stand powerful so why is this why does it work like that in hebrews 1 verse 3 it has the answer the sun is the radiance of god's glory and the exact representation of his being sustaining all things by the power of his word so when we face stress when we face the most difficult situations we ever thought were possible how are we sustained is it by our willpower is it by our effort is it by the strength that we can conjure up no it says here that christians are sustained by the power of god's word you and i in this verse, are included in all things. Only we can be sustained by God's word. Not our willpower, not our money, not our influence, not our connections, not the networks that we have on earth. It's by the powerful word of God. Man, do we ever need to connect? But we do have a free will, don't we? So this connection isn't automatic. We have to choose to be connected to God in this way so that we can receive this sort of benefit where we're going to be able to stand firm in the most difficult situations. And this means to probably we need to choose to connect daily because I don't want to say, well, I think in a month I'm going to go through something difficult. So I'm just going to coast for now. And then when that difficulty comes up, then I'm really going to start to connect with God. No, I want to be prepared for anything that comes my way. I want to connect today because I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Benefit number three of this connection with Jesus is that we have victory over the temptation to sin. How many of you are ever tempted to sin in your life? Okay, and all of those of you who didn't put up your hand, your temptation to lie, you just gave in to it. Come on. Let's just be honest. Let's, can we actually be honest? How many of us are tempted to sin? Every single one of us, every single day of our lives. That's the truth, okay? But the benefit of connecting with Jesus is that we can receive victory over that temptation. In James 1, verse 14 to 15, it says this. But each person is tempted when, when they are dragged away by their own evil desires. Not the temptation of the devil. Our own evil desires and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. The sinful nature inside of us desires to do sinful things. Period. It's always tugging at us, trying to get us to do things that are opposite of what God has created us to do. But scripture points to how we can combat this sinful nature. In Galatians 5.16, it says, so I, wit, so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Oh, the Spirit. How do we walk with the Spirit? We connect with Jesus. How do we connect with Jesus? We get nourished by His Word. How often should we do that? Daily. Because we just don't know how we can handle temptation tomorrow unless we connect with Jesus today. Second Peter 1 verse 4 is, uh, is part of the passage that we looked at last week, and it expands on this idea. It says, And because of the glory and 
of, of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and what? Escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Not fall into our human desires, but escape the corruption that leads, that is led from our human desires. It's beautiful that when we have this vital connection to Jesus, we are supernaturally empowered by the Holy Spirit to fend off temptation to sin. 1 Corinthians 10.13 is one of the most encouraging verses that, that you could ever memorize. I'd encourage you to do it. And it says, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Man, our God is faithful, isn't he? God will show us a way out so that we do not have to give in to temptation. He gives us victory. But how will we see the way out that God is showing us unless we're connected to him? You see how important this connection is. Benefit number four of having a a regular connection from the branch to the vine or us to Jesus is that we can grow in godly character. As Christians, we're not just meant to resist doing bad things, but we're actually supposed to purposefully do what is good according to God. In Colossians 3, 9, and 10, it says, Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self which is and all of its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in in the knowledge of the image of its creator how can we effectively put on our new selves effectively growing up as christians how do we do that with a daily connection to jesus it, it, it all comes back to that if if this is who we are when we're saved and we're supposed to put that off how can you do that on your own We can't, right? That's why we needed to be saved. We couldn't save ourselves. And how is it that we grow in godly character? Do we just say to God, thanks for saving me. I can handle it from here. I'm sure I can become like you on my own power. No, we couldn't even save ourselves from sin. So how can we grow to become more like God by our own efforts? That's ludicrous. So we get connected to Jesus to be saved from who we were. And we remain connected to Jesus to continually become more like who he is. He will lead us to become new people that we are meant to be in him. And finally, benefit number five, we will in general just succeed in life. Hosea 4 verse 6 says this. My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also reject you as my priests. Because you have ignored the law of your God, I will also ignore your children how, when we don't have knowledge of God's will or God's ways, how on earth can we follow them? How can we succeed? Wisdom literature, which is so prevalent in the Old Testament, but creeps into the New as well, is important for us as Christians. When we welcome wisdom into our lives, we are saved from reckless or foolish behavior. Not because we're just saying no to who we used to be, but we're saying yes to who Jesus is calling us to be. And we begin to, we begin to practice the things that will help us not just 
stop being stupid, but we actually can become successful and God can say, Hey, that one's mine. Look at what they're doing. I knew that they could do it because they're connecting to me. And this is what my life produces in them. Proverbs two eleven and 12 says, wise choices will watch over you. Understanding will keep you safe. Wisdom will save you from evil people from those whose words are twisted. Look at all of the benefits that come into our lives when we nurture our connection to Christ. When we choose to stay and remain and abide with Jesus, we are nourished by his word and he takes such good care of us in a way that you and I cannot care for ourselves on our own. Today we've talked about how crucial it is for us to be connected with Christ. We've talked about why Christians get burned out, why we fail, why we fall away. We saw those, those three reasons. And we've talked about being renewed and what that journey can look like and all the benefits that come into our lives when we choose to abide with Christ. You know, this is a little bit more on the informational side this week. I don't have a major challenge for you. I don't have something that I want you to, to go and walk with this week. I mean, if you got something, there certainly were nuggets in there. But I think the one thing I would encourage all of us to do is to think this week about what is the quality of my connection? Am I hanging on by a thread and that is the conduit that is existing between me and Jesus? Or, or is this a full bore branch that is connected in all areas to this, to this trunk of the tree? And God's life isn't flowing through a drinking straw into my life, but more like through a huge pipe that just gives me all of the nutrients and the nourishment I could possibly receive. Is there a clog in there? Am I addressing it because it's slowing the flow? Am I allowing Jesus to have full access? Am I welcoming him into all parts of my life? Do I want these benefits? Am I willing to address the drawbacks and the flaws? We just got to be real with ourselves, friends. I can't come to every one of your homes and say, okay, you heard what we said. What's the plan? I would love to do that, but I think you probably wouldn't like that. So I'm not going to do that. But here's what I'm asking you to do. Just be honest with yourself. The only thing standing between us and God is if we want what he's holding out to us for us to freely experience.